Welcome to Click, a podcast about people, property and places. On this week's episode, we catch up with Caitlin Nevins, an Australian diamond and Queensland firebird. We hope you enjoy. Hey guys, Josh Kindred here. Uh, welcome to the Click Podcast. We're joined today by Caitlin Nevins, absolute superstar in the netball world of Australia um, and I suppose superstar of the world in new uh, netball. Um, Caitlin, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Josh, for having me. And um, so today we're going to learn about you as a person, but we're also going to learn a little bit about, um, I suppose, the places you've been, any of your property journey. Um, but tell us uh, straight off the bat, you've you've just retired. Um, what's I that have. like? What's that feel like? Oh, it's a little bit surreal still. Um, I technically have two more weeks left on my contract, um, but I think I will miss the girls a lot heading into the start of the 2020 season. So for the moment, I've been reflecting and it has been a really fun journey. I've experienced some amazing things. Um, but yeah, the word retirement is quite a strange word. Yeah, okay. So we, um, we're we really excited to have a firebird um, in the studio to do our, our podcast. And um, But specifically, we want to get to know you. How did you get into netball? And um, prior to being in Queensland and being a firebird, um, where'd you come from and um, what does that look like? I actually grew up in a really small country town on the border of Victoria and New South Wales called Echuca. Okay. Do you know where that is? I, I've heard of it, yes. Yeah, yep. Murray River Town. It's on the Beautiful. Victorian side. So it's about two and a half hours uh, drive north of Melbourne. Okay. So grew up in country Victoria, um, lived across the road from the local football oval, basketball stadium and netball court. So for an active child, it was like gold. Um, I'd often have friends catch the bus back to my house. We'd have Vegemite on toast, cross the road and then play our sports. It'd be uh, basketball through the summer and then netball through the winter. And then I grew up with two brothers. So we often had backyard cricket, um, football. Uh, My parents paved a basketball key in our backyard as well. So it was just... um, such an amazing upbringing and I suppose my passion and love for sports started very much in the country town. Um, It's amazing what community support you have in a small rural area. Um, I felt safe and I I felt supported but I just flourished so um, I grew up in Echuca but then I moved to Melbourne when I was 17 so finished high school, moved to Melbourne at 17 for university and also netball And then I actually started playing with the Melbourne Vixens. That was my first um, call up into the elite netball um, before being poached up north uh, to Queensland Firebirds. So that's a little bit of a snapshot. Um, So when you were 17 and you moved to Melbourne, what was that journey like for you? Obviously still young, straight out of school. Um, Was it because of uni, because of netball? Was it, um, were you following your dream into becoming a professional netballer? Yeah, it was probably a bit of both. Um, I finished high school and in country areas, you really do have to move away from home to be able to further your education. So university was definitely a part of it and um, podiatry at that stage was only offered at La Trobe University in Bundura. So I was moving to Melbourne. Okay. But netball, you had to live in the city area to be able to develop your skill set at that stage. There's better regional pathways now. 
Um, but my parents were phenomenal through year 10, 11 and 12. They would drive hundreds of thousands of kilometres up and down the Hume Highway um, to allow me to play netball. And at that stage, it was just purely passion. Yes, I had made a couple of state teams. I've missed out on a lot more state teams, but right. I wasn't earmarked as the next best thing. Mm. And they were just simply providing opportunities for um, their daughter. Cool. So I was just really lucky to have been exposed to that because financially that would have been really tough. It would have been tough as well on my parents' work. So um, both my parents were teachers. I would go to school, hop in the car with either mum and dad, yep. drive down to Melbourne, train for a couple of hours. They'd be doing work in the car, waiting for training to be yeah. done, hop back in the car. Sometimes I'd be getting back to a Tuga at 2am, oh, wow. going to sleep and then getting up and going to school the next day. So I was in Melbourne, um, say three times. In the busy times, it was about four times a week. Okay. So I think my parents were very happy that I moved to moved Melbourne. Away, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so they provided that sporting platform, um, but I suppose university really drew me to Melbourne um, and my sport was there too. And um, so you mentioned podiatry. Is that that's what you chose to do at university? Why? A couple of foot injuries or? I did actually. I had a foot injury when I was 15. So that was my first exposure to a podiatrist and it was a, it was a nice experience. And um, I also had a a really important mentor as well through my junior netball years. Her name is Bree McDonald and she was a manager of the Melbourne Vixen side and she was a podiatrist and I looked up to her and I got to do a little bit of work experience with her before okay. deciding sort of what courses I wanted to look down the path of and yeah podiatry was the one that stuck cool. out and I was lucky that from year 12 I was able to um, get my first offer and and then head into it from there. But no, I don't have a foot fetish. A lot of people think that you really have to like feet to get into podiatry. I really like helping people in getting pain relief and being right. active. That's probably my um, drive for podiatry care. Right. I think I wanted to be a physio um, when I was growing up because I spent so much time with physios, probably similar with your, your podiatrist story. But then I soon realised I wanted to have a chain of physios and it was all actually more about business <laughs> probably. So um, I can relate to the the injury um, driving that sort of interest. But um, what's it like then finishing your podiatry? Have you, have you um, practised as a podiatrist while you were a netballer? Or? Yeah, I have. So... I don't know whether it's a blessing in disguise, but I had a really nasty knee injury. I ruptured my anterior cruciate ligament when I was 20. Okay. And that actually, um, at that stage, I was starting to put my hand up in that high-performance environment. I was being noticed by the Melbourne Vixens. Um, but then with that injury, I fell out of that high-performance loop. There weren't great programs at that stage in terms of ACL rehab um, and getting people back on court. So... I did lots of that by myself, um, but it meant that I could finish my podiatry degree uh, full-time, whereas right, okay, lots excellent. of the athletes yeah, cool. now are doing university part-time and it may be um, spread out over the course of eight to ten years to yep. be able to co complete their degree. So that injury was really unfortunate. Um, lots of girls my age were getting picked up into the um, elite franchise. However... I managed to finish my podiatry and I started work full-time. So I worked full-time for a couple of years. It took me a while to wow. um, get 
noticed again by the right people that my performance was um, good enough to play at that level, it actually took about three or four years to get selected back into that um, environment and gain my first playing contract with the Melbourne Vixens. So I think I was a veteran before making my debut at yeah, that yeah, stage compared to the rest of the, the yeah 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 wow and so then obviously um yeah, an extremely successful career in netball um you've you've won three uh titles three what are they called competitions premierships, premierships yeah. um, and so 2014 with the vixens that was was that your first full playing year with the Vixens? It was. I was a replacement player the year before in 2013, but my first official contract was in 2014. um, And I was an impact player, so I learnt so much from being in that environment, training with the girls, the opportunities on court. I was happy with my performance, um, but I had that, I don't know, burning um, desire to, to see what I could do more out there on court. So when the opportunity came to... Um, move up north there was no guarantees that I'd get on court but I thought why not give it a go why not step out of my comfort zone and if I am just an impact um, player in the Queensland Firebirds I think I would have been okay with that as well I just needed to try something to see whether or not um, I could get out there a little bit more on court and um yeah, it was a blessing in disguise. I moved to Queensland, had to work so hard to develop new connections and new combinations. Um, but I also think that that um, extra drive to prove my worth to the team as well helped with my own skill development and um, certainly flourished from there. And then went on to win another two premierships. Yeah. And you were then... Um I suppose, seen highly enough in in the Australian netball fraternity to be selected for the Diamonds. Um, and, I, and I understand that you were possibly the oldest... Second s- oldest. Second oldest <laughs> uh, ever to be selected for the Australian netball team. Well, to make their de- debut. Debut, yeah. yeah. Yeah, wow. So I think it was just... Um, I feel like I have a young body. Right. <laughs> Um, maybe my podiatry hat has helped in terms of preserving my body, um, doing all the right things recovery-wise to keep being able to perform and train. Um, but the opportunity to play for the Diamonds, while I was lucky enough to win three premierships, I still didn't think that it would ever happen. I wanted it to happen, but I, I just didn't think that it would. Mm. And to receive a phone call from Lisa Alexander to first tell me that I'm in the Australian squad was just um, amazing. and A dream come true. A dream come true, absolutely. And then to be able to be selected in a team to travel for the quad series and my first game playing for Australia was actually against the Kiwis, which... Oh, um, fantastic. Yeah, Australia and New Zealand have some epic battles, uh, have had some epic battles over the last couple yep. of years. So to also be able to debut against um, a really high quality side, um, yeah, it was just so special and I will treasure that memory. Excellent. Let's uh, let's change it up a little bit. You've, you've obviously lived in a, a few different places. Um, what's it like living in Queensland now? I loved it. As soon as I moved, um, so from Echuca to Melbourne, I found being a country kid moving to Melbourne was very daunting. Right. 
big city, really big city. And I suppose I started on the outskirts of Melbourne to start off with and then I gradually crept closer to the city. Whereabouts in Melbourne? So Latrobe's based in Bundura. So I lived on residential college first there and then I ended up living around Northcote, Thornbury, Fairfield in Melbourne. And then I did get comfortable in that city in terms of the size by the end of it. However, moving to Brisbane, I just love the feel and the vibe and it um, instantly had that community connection. It's something that I suppose coming from Echuca sits really um, close to my heart and I was just embraced instantly like I knew my butcher. Um, I just knew all of these different people in my local area that were just willing to they were chatty and friendly yep. and it was more than just a, a superficial conversation, which I love. Whereabouts in Brisbane did you first move to? I actually moved to New Farm okay. first. Yep. So it's a little bit of a hub. Um, and then I stayed, I moved into another apartment in Tenerife and I've since moved out to Barden. So okay. different area, um, but I, I love the community feel. Okay, now you um, classified in the netball world as old, but a young body, um, <coughs> still very young. And um, uh, are you <laughs> only saying that because you're 32 too? I, I'm saying that because it's a uh, yes, young and vibrant. Uh, tell us about <laughs> have you have you bought property up in Queensland? Do you hope to stay here? What what is uh, the plans now for a retired uh, Caitlin? I actually um, bought a house uh, four years ago now um, in Barden. And so it's an old Queenslander. It was built 1950s and needs a little bit of TLC. And um, yeah, that, that's my first home. So still living in my cool. first home. Being awesome. a country kid, it was hard. Um, I was renting for so many years. So moving away from home, um, playing netball, studying, trying to work, trying to save up for a deposit for a house was pretty challenging yeah so I yeah was lucky enough to be able to buy um, a few years ago now and we're in the process of um, some renovations to improve it and, and possibly sell it at some stage yeah excellent so um, so four years ago you went through that first homeowning exercise was it was it easy for you um, I mean obviously the saving up part but what was it like trying to find a place to just walk in and love it or no I felt completely out of my depth actually in terms of buying my first home I didn't know what I should be looking for um, I didn't know where to do some of the searches or how to find that information Um, I suppose what I was looking at is some location between work to minimise travel. I was looking at bedroom sizes, bathrooms, but lots of the actual um, main details, I had no idea what to do in that department. Do you um do, do you love the fact that you're a property owner now? Um, a lot of people sort of have this dream of being a, especially if you buy a property quite young like you did. You know, there's some sort of aspiration to have owned property. Was that something that was important to you, or were you just trying to make a good financial decision? I was trying to make a good financial decision. Um, I liked the thought of paying off my own house rather than somebody else's. Right. Um, but I needed to make sure personally that I was committed to the location in terms of um, Brisbane and Queensland sure. before deciding whether to buy a property to live in or whether it was an investment property. So I think it was more of a financial decision for me. 
Yeah, it's um, it was just so interesting that we see in, in this day and age that our age group, um, early 30s, late 20s, people buy property because it, it seems like the right decision, but then we, we don't really know where to look. What, what do you think would change that? Like, what, what would have helped your experience at that time? I suppose conversations with more people about it. I I do believe that I went in uneducated in regards to the purchase and it was nearly a lucky dip, I suppose. I was um, yeah, right. going off um, family help as well um, and inspecting it was really important but I still feel like I may have been under-equipped with right. um, heading into um, buying a property. Like, what would you recommend is the best... Um, uh, I suppose starting point to obtain some of this information. Yeah, it's um, it is really hard for, and that's that's why I raised it because it's interesting. Different people, um, often it comes from their parents saying, "Well, you know, it's a good idea to buy a property," or I think generationally we think that it's a, um, it's something that we should do. Once we've got a little bit of money, we should instead of. Um, paying rent and paying off someone else's house we should be doing it for ourselves but then it's doesn't always work out to be the best investment or the best financial decision that we were hoping yeah i I think just trying to find that education and and the conversations are good um you know it's surprising to me that it's such a big moment in people's lives and it's there's still very little education early on um but uh you know really just go and look to learn Mm. um i think we're always trying to learn and the, the housing market's always changing. It's, it doesn't matter how many properties you've bought, there's, there's something else to learn. So Yeah, absolutely. I think my rental experience with all of the different houses that I lived in, I understood what I was looking for in terms of a floor print. Right. <laughs> um, and wanting cupboards and like all of that. Yeah. But I just didn't understand um, value of housing in suburbs and I didn't understand where to look for different searches in terms of flood zones and Yeah, I mean you bought in a great suburb of of Barden, which is, is excellent, but it's always that wonder do you what sort of size of land should you buy? It doesn't mm. matter which streets you buy in. So now that you are a property owner and four years later are you thinking you'd like another property or is it is it really for you now a case of Getting to the next stage and developing your, your next part of your career. What, what's um, on, what's on focus, front of your mind? My focus right now is being savvy with my money and doing some really smart changes in terms of renovation for the house. I'm not completely attached to the house. Yeah, yeah, hand, um, handy with with, uh, with the tools. You're going to get. I out there am with actually. So my dad has taught me how to do lots of different things. I've helped him. Um, replace our lattice work underneath the house with some um, vertical um, palings. Okay, excellent. And I'm currently building a table, an entertainment table. Wow. Um, It's a 10 to 12 seater table. So I love being able to try things and um, upskilling. But I'd have to say that I I need to be shown how to do it and watch it before I would confidently – um, do it myself so I can patch up little holes and I can paint and do some very basic woodwork <laughs> but I do need to um, instill the help of others and then when or it's YouTube or YouTube so actually do it yourself YouTube I built the table off YouTube wow so <laughs> that is um, pretty impressive <laughs> maybe you can start your own YouTube channel now in, in retirement how to build tables I'd actually have to say every time that I've gone to Bunnings um, 
they have been phenomenal. So they're like, what are you going to build today? (laughs) And I'd be like, I'm going to build a table. And they're like, okay, have you thought about this? No, not yet. (laughs) I've got a plan here. And they'd walk around with me, um, help me to get everything and then send me off on my way. So a couple of times they've asked for photographs as well. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So you're just down there, <laughs> not for the sausages, but for the mates. No, I'm not there for the sausages. Sorry. Oh, that's excellent. So um, you're living in Barton now and I suppose coming from a country town like Yachuca, um, Victoria being your home state, you see Queensland now as your home? Yeah, definitely. Um, Queensland's my home. Yep. Um, I love visiting Echuca. I love visiting country Victoria, particularly to see my family and my friends. Um, but for me, now, Queensland's home. With all the travel that you've done um, over the years, what, what's your favourite place? Um, Travel-wise for netball, I probably would say New Zealand. Okay. I love... I suppose it comes back to being out in the country or growing up in the country. I just love um, the different adventure trails that you can do in New Zealand, the green space, the mountains. Um, The food is amazing. Yes. So I love New Zealand. And then personally, uh, my favourite destination that I've been to is Italy. And again, it's to do with the food and the culture. Um, and also the history. It's just amazing how much history is, like even in Rome, it's just right. phenomenal. I'm going to Italy next year. You got any tips for me? Oh, um, don't have five courses for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just paste yourself. Paste yourself. <laughs> I'm not used to eating pizza and pasta, so maybe have some salad options uh, thrown in there. Otherwise, you might come back. Yeah, that's nonsense. We're on a podcast and no one can see you. And, and the elephant in the room is, is clearly not you, but um, you're tiny. How did you make it as a netballer being tiny? I think it's just all of the exercise that you do. Oh, in terms of height? In, in terms of height. Well, I'm Stature. <laughs> hey, actually. I, I mean, I, I was expecting to meet you and, um, you know, a lot of the netballers are just so tall. Mm. And, um, you know, you talk about um, going through some injury and some hardship in your early days, mm. but you're also you know you're not tall no and to tell you the truth I always I knew that I was small but I didn't see it as a negative right until recently I um one of my managers from a regional academy program um had a chat with me and said that she had to bat for me I was scrawny I was really skinny I was small and lots of selectors saw that as a um a disadvantage that I'd did get. Did they tell you that? Like, did you ever hear that throughout, I suppose, that development period from, say, 15 to 25 when you were really trying to make it? Um, maybe I just didn't listen to it. <laughs> I couldn't really change it a whole lot. Um, with the Firebirds program, there was definitely a focus on strength. But in saying that, I think I put three kilos on um, of lean muscle mass, which is mm. still quite decent. But it's a fine line between um, being heavy and being able to be fast um, and having that in, that fitness out there on court. So you can't really change your body too much without compromising another area. So yes, I needed to get stronger. Um, I needed to be able to hold my own because I do get knocked out there on court. I, I get knocked maybe six or seven times before I receive a ball. Yeah, right. Um, so over the course of the game, that can wear you down a little bit. Um, 
So I needed to be able to hold my own out there on court. But then my focus was working on what my strengths are as well to know that I am um, I have great agility, my speed and my endurance. That's what I need to play to. Yeah, okay. So so it was never something that it was a criticism that sort of got you down or, or ever, um, I suppose, mentally held you back at, at becoming a, a great performer. I just saw it as something that I couldn't really change. And for me, those... Um, some of those comments, I try to focus on the ones that I can actively change yeah. um, because otherwise that'll get you down and you can't do anything about it. So I need to find those areas of improvement that I have control over and that I can personally change. What would you say to, to um, young people that are, are going through that um, establishing a um, or trying to make it in what they're dreaming of today and they get those hurdles or those setbacks because um, a lot of people don't get through that in the way that you have and they, and really go on and I suppose reach their dream. What, what would you say? Is there something, uh, some sort of advice? I suppose it's hard work and perseverance pays off. Um, we all have different pathways to success and to the top and you can't necessarily follow a step-by-step guide to get to where you want. Um, but you've just got to take those not um, setbacks or um, and learn from it, take something out of it to grow and to be better. And for me with netball, I just had that passion and that love. I, I really wanted to play and I think because I had that passion and that love, yes, I got knocked back lots of times, but I also kept trying to put my hand up um, and it's okay to be disappointed. I think that with those little setbacks, that disappointment shows that passion and that drive that you've right. got. So I feel like you need to be able to accept that, be disappointed, but also look at what you can take out of it and um, seek help as well in terms of how you can grow. Because sometimes your vision and your reflection of yourself might be a little bit different to, to the way other people are seeing it. Sure. And so it's only really one or two pieces of feedback that you want each time. Don't have a whole list because, again, yeah. that gets a little bit lost. So, Was there ever a time when, you know, after you did your ACL that you thought, well, maybe I, I need to just concentrate on, on my uh, university and, and let netball go? Yeah, I didn't know whether I was going to be able to get back out there on court to the level that I wanted to play there was a bit of doubt there for sure. I think what has worked so well through my earlier playing career and even now is having something away from my sport. So for me, podiatry has always been there. Um, So in the early days, being able to focus on someone's feet, then get to training was quite refreshing. So I had that distraction. But in my elite career, I worked two half days and in the elite environment, you're exposed to so many different opinions, scrutiny all of the time. So for me, if I, was, if I threw a bad pass in the morning, um, I would forget about it during the day, right. focus on something quite different, come back so fresh, ready for the second session. Um, and for me, that was just great because I didn't catastrophize the situation in my head, sure. didn't blow it out of proportion and it didn't affect my performance in terms of just moving on and getting on with things. So it's helped me in terms of my performance, but it's also now helping me with exiting the program. 
Yeah, right. And I suppose, you know, at the elite level, that's critical. But even just day-to-day life, that that's standard for anybody. They can make a mistake in the morning and they can really dwell on that, can't they? Yeah. It's, um, that's, that's great advice. So now, um, podiatry, what does that look like for you? Is that going to be, you know, the next 10 years of your life? You're going to, um, the practice that you're working in now, tell us about that. Look, I love what I do in, in podiatry, um, but I think I'll still keep it as a, a part-time work. I'll extend right. it to two full days rather than two half days. Um, the clinic that I work for has just been so supportive. Um, so it's Queensland Orthotics and Podiatry, and the two bosses were very much involved in sport themselves. One was a cricket player and one was a hockey player. Okay. So they understand both sides of things, and it's very much a sports clinic. But for me personally, I think having the dual career has helped me to have that passion and that drive for everything that I'm doing so I'm actually still looking for another role to complement podiatry not in not necessarily in table making. no no not in table making <laughs> coaching um at the moment I'm doing one-on-one coaching um some mentoring a little bit of radio okay. a little bit of just their bits and pieces for now just trying new skill sets to see where that will go and I think having that dual career means that it will be challenging, mentally refreshing, um, and then I, more importantly, I keep the love for what I do and the care for my patients. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us. You're an Australian netball star. You're a Queenslander now. Um, and I really appreciate being able to talk to you and, and learn a little bit about who Caitlin Evans is. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Click. If you want to keep up to date, make sure to subscribe or sign up for our mailing list at clickpodcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, fresh pod every Friday, blog post fortnightly, video content weekly.